The Incomparable is brought to you by Squarespace, the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Try Squarespace at squarespace.com and enter offer code Incomparable at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. The Incomparable, number 237, March 2015. We began this journey in June of 2011 when we watched a fine, fine film called Star Wars, sometimes called Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. We conclude it now, having watched what is, at least for now, the sixth and final Star Wars feature film, Star Wars Episode Three: colon... Revenge of the Sith. I believe I got the colon in the right place that time. I've gotten it wrong every time. The colon is all over this movie. (laughs) (laughs) So 2005's fine uh, film that exists. from. This is it. We're here. We're going to talk about Star Wars Episode 3 and then say no more about the prequels evermore joining me on this journey as many many of them have been here for the entire journey and i will introduce them first john syracusa hello one to go jason one to go (laughs) serenity caldwell hi there this is the way liberty dies jason (laughs) Uh, dan morin hello the sith they're revenging not good to be here our one of our stalwart prequels uh visitors steve lutz what up, my young youngs? This is where the fun begins. This is—is is this where the fun begins? <laughs> I'm smirking where the in, fun that, ends. in that sort of semi-constipated, semi-pedo way right now. Well, you know, Steve, you're so beautiful, but that's only because you're in love. This is the message of the tree of love. Wait, no, that's that's a better movie. And also joining us is Andy Inotko. Hello. I just wanted to make sure it was really dead. That's why I needed to watch this at the very, very end. Kill it with fire, Andy. Uh, Kill it with we're going to move the bodies and the headstones, not just the headstones. Nuke it from orbit. The only way to be sure. Mm. Oh, so, episode War! three, Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> I think we should start, as we always do, by asking if anybody has any opening <laughs> statements. John? As a matter of fact, I do. Probably, oh. This will perhaps be the, the last Star Wars opening statement, because am I going to have an opening statement about episode seven? Probably yes, you are, John. Of course you will. Yeah. Oh, well, like, we'll, we'll record it right after we watch it. I don't know if I'll... I, I, did, the, I did the math. I think we're probably going to have to do like 10 episodes about episode seven <laughs> in the span of about... We may do right. daily episodes in December. One of them might just be John Syracuse's opening statements episode, <laughs> just like that one. And then we'll move on to the conversations later. But... Yeah. I enjoy having a newsreel for episode seven. Yeah. This is your daily newsreel update of episode <laughs> right. seven. This is what John Syracuse feels about this on day five. Today, yes, exactly. Yeah, well, that's like these movies we've uh, existed for so long that it, you know I can have opening statements about them because I've had a long time to think about. It, but I don't know about episode seven. But anyway, here we go for this one. Um, so, final movies in a trilogy they usually have a couple of advantages. I mean, most obviously you're anxious to find out how it all ends, right? Uh, Episode three, of course, is undercut here by being part of a prequel trilogy. We all know how it's going to end. We know who lives. We know who dies. We know where everybody ends up. So that's kind of a a bummer for drama in this movie. Uh, The last movie in the trilogy also usually benefits from having the audience be familiar with and have some affection for the characters. 
uh, episode three is undercut here by the previous two movies sort of failing <laughs> to make these characters into real people that we actually care about. Uh, I think this is also compounded by the first movie using a child actor for Anakin, uh, which means we've only really had one movie with this version of Anakin. And also, by the way, thinking about this, it's kind of damning that the child Anakin and the adult Anakin seem like such completely separate characters. Like, I don't even connect them at all in my mind, and, and I don't yeah. like either one of them anyway. Nope. Um, There's a connection. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, episode three has none of these advantages that a final movie in a series usually has. And after two movies of treading water on the question that should be motivating the entire prequel trilogy, that is, how did the good man who was Luke's father become Darth Vader? It's going to be really hard for one movie to pr- to provide a convincing answer for that, even in the best case. And given that this is the same group of people who brought us the first two prequels, this is not the best case. This is the worst <laughs> case. Uh, as I said on the episode two podcast... I initially held out hope that episode two would sort of learn from the lessons of episode one and take them to heart and rise above episode one to actually be a semi-decent movie. By the end of episode two, I had lost all hope and had begun to think of the next movie in the series under the title in which it is permanently filed away in my mind, Star Wars episode three. Let's get this over with. (laughs) So is it true that basically episode three is legless and armless on a lava flow while you hold out your hand and beg for it one last time to turn away from the dark side episode three was not supposed to be the chosen one i knew it would not be the chosen one i knew from the very beginning i am picturing john yelling that though we were friends we were brothers All right, Jason, I've got an opening statement. All right. A minor opening statement. I know. I'm I'm breaking tradition here, but I'm going to do it. Because here's the thing that drives me absolutely insane about episode three is that there are hints of a potentially good movie here, which is to say, well, no, no, (laughs) hear me out. Opening Sorry. statement. Sorry. Um, She's played the, the first... opening statement gambit here where we can't stop her. (laughs) She has the opening statement. I know everybody's going to talk over me for like the second half of the podcast. I'm taking it now. I'm taking it now. All right. So the first two movies are crap um, in a wide variety of different ways that we have spoken of here. But in each of the first two movies, there are never scenes where I'm like, yeah, that almost kind of works. Pretty much every scene in the first two movies, I'm like, no. This is just this is just terrible. There's no there are no there's no potential redeeming factor here. The the thing that drives me crazy about episode three, especially watch rewatching it, I rewatched it tonight after having two thirds of the Clone Wars under my belt, uh, the Clone Wars animated series, is that there is the potential for power here in seeing how the Republic falls, not even seeing how Anakin becomes Darth Vader, but in seeing how the Republic falls, in seeing how Palpatine basically engulfs the entirety of the Senate and uh, to a certain extent seeing how Anakin falls. And there are little bits like there are there are bits of shining light in this movie, except as soon as the, the door starts to open and you you're like, maybe I'm in a good movie. It shuts closed. It's spe- like there are specific scenes, which I'll probably mention when once we go through the, the film where I'm like, oh, this actually has some emotional impact. Oh, I'm actually am I invested in this movie here? Am I actually feeling emotions? And then as soon as I, I get that sort of glimmer of like. Oh, I'm actually invested in this movie. The movie reminds me just how funny it is again. And it, that that drives me so crazy. I'm like, oh, I can actually feel passion for it. No. Maybe no. Maybe no. And right at the end, no. No. <laughs> so, Do not want. Interesting. Side note to people who listen to the show live, we are opening the no drinking game. So you take one shot <laughs> or one beer every time someone makes the no joke 
have a lot of booze standing by. Yeah. I am I am so glad that I have a giant uh, bottle of whiskey here. Uh, yeah, no, I um no uh, no, no! Drink. Drink. social. Yeah. Uh, so in in conclusion, uh, every time I watch episode three, I get more and more frustrated because there could have been a good movie here. They did learn a couple of things from episode one and episode two. There are scenes in here that almost works. There is one scene that I think actually is perfectly sold in an otherwise terribly crappy movie. Um, and it just, it, it infuriates me, especially when we have something as good as the Clone Wars basically now preceding it. All right. Any other opening statements? Yeah, I got a quick one. I think I said at the tail end of the episode two podcast that you should be excited for episode three because this is the good one. Uh, <laughs> in case that wasn't abundantly clear, that was just a joke. And if you, if, there is no good one. And if you accidentally thought that I was serious and there was a good one and you went and watched this film thinking that perhaps uh, that you would be in for a decent film, I am deeply and heartily sorry. Are this you is... are you revising your previous remarks about episode three? <laughs> I'm clarifying. It oh, should have I been see. obvious, but sometimes, you know, it's not entirely clear when I'm uh, not being serious. So sorry, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Dan? Uh, I was going to mention, so I, I saw this movie in the theater in 2005, which I realize is, is now 10 years ago. Yeah. I have not seen it since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know a lot at the time, as people have alluded to, it was kind of held out like, all right, may- maybe this one will finally be good. Uh, if any, again, like Steve said, if anybody is laboring under that misapprehension, I would contend perhaps they have not seen this movie in a while. Uh, in some ways, episode one, you know, has the the harshest time of it because it was the one that was expected. By this point in the prequel trilogy, the bar has been set. So episode one, I think, in, in contrast with episodes two and three, in some ways doesn't do as badly, you know, in the with the benefit of hindsight. Because without all that hype building it up over all those years, it's merely a really crappy movie, uh, <laughs> as opposed to being like a travesty. Uh, episode three, I don't think necessarily has that. Uh, it was not helped in any way by that because, you know, by the time it came out, we had experienced two really crappy movies. So if I had to pick one of all three of these movies to be the best, I would actually stab myself because that is preferable. Uh, <laughs> none of these are good. <laughs> Um, so I will Strong argument. I will just say um, that I agree that the Clone Wars TV show shows a great example of how this same thematic story could be told much better. Uh, and I will be glad to see the end of this entire trilogy and look forward to wiping the slate clean. <laughs> I also have an opening statement. Okay. Oh, my God. Everybody, this is this is the opening statement the segment. Part is two will include conversation, but this is the opening statement episode. We'll record that at a later please, date. Please though. go ahead, Andy. Well, I just uh, as a teaser for a comment that might come late in the show, I have one very real reason to be grateful to episode three. But let's leave that as a teaser for for, for later. I will say that I semi enjoyed episode one because I thought it had a really great ending, not just the fact that it ended, and. <laughs> Knowing that there's going to be two more movies after this, and this is just setting the stage, I had faith through episode two, saying that, well, this is – it's episode two, so it, it's the, the middle part of a trilogy. It has to carry a lot of water for the entire trilogy and set up the finale. But the finale – I'm reminded of a of a joke from PDQ Bach 
If you're not familiar with PDQ Bach, that's a, a for real composer who keeps pretending to keep discovering lost works from a really bad Baroque composer. And he says, every time we discover a new piece by PDQ Bach, it's always with a great sense of anticipation because we feel like this new piece can't possibly be as bad as the others that we found. And nonetheless, and so, but it, it comes, it, and there's a, t- there's a there's a point in the car crash where you're just going to have to find some good to say. It's like, well, I've never had an airbag deploy before. It might be an interesting experience <laughs> to talk about later. You may as well buy the third ticket. I don't think it was as bad as I, – I, I'm like Dan. Like I think this is, must be the third time I've seen the movie Lifetime, which is incredible to for me to say about a Star Wars movie. It's not as bad as – Five years of hearing people talk about the movie has set me up for, but it was still pretty not great. Just to add to one thing to Andy's point about like not having seen a long time, I just realized I saw episode one in the theater in the first twenty four hours more time than more times than I've seen this in ten years. <laughs> it's Ditto. telling. It's telling. Yeah, it is. I can't. I can't remember any of this. Like I couldn't remember half the scenes from this movie, and that should tell you something. I remember the. Um, I've only seen this movie. This is the third. Second and a half time I've seen this movie because I attempted to watch this, I want to say, in 2007 when I was stuck in Ithaca for a summer. And I had, I watched the entirety of the Matrix trilogy and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to get through the prequels. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I, I've recalibrated my sensor to zero by seeing the entire Matrix trilogy. Yeah. I can now yeah. reevaluate. <laughs> Oh, I was just like, you know what? The Matrix trilogy, deeply flawed, but, you know, at least watchable when you're stuck in a basement. Um, <laughs> Were you being held that hostage? Was on, that was, yes. in fact, on the back of the box. <laughs> did, 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 your, did your father owe the mob some money or something? Unlike the prequels, the Matrix uh, trilogy does contain a good movie. Yeah, it does mm. contain one good movie. And one then, and a half, arguably, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's, you know, I'm like, I have nowhere else to go. My car is broken. I'm just going to, I'm going to watch terrible movies. I could not get through 10 minutes of this film. The only way I got through it tonight was by watching it at 2x speed, which, by the way, I actually recommend if you're ever going to watch the prequels again. Interesting. I, too, have an opening remark. Uh, I know. it's. Wow. I, I thought this would be totally crazy for the host to have an opening statement, but then everybody did an opening statement. Uh, John Syracuse has started a tradition, apparently. My my opening statement, I, like Dan, I want to say I have only seen this movie before yesterday. Only seen it once. I saw it in the theater. I actually saw it in the theater in Boston, Massachusetts, where I was before <laughs> the last, I want to say, Macworld Expo. I don't know if the 2005 uh, Macworld Expo was the last one in Boston, but anyway, I was there for that, and uh, I had a free day and episode uh, three came out so i watched it and then never watched it again and i think that is i don't know whether that's a commentary on the movie or on the prequels being kind of this obligatory thing that leads to um like well i gotta see them all but then once they're done i don't need to see them again but i've revisited episode one and even episode two since a few times but episode three never i don't know what that means my my big statement we will definitely talk about this some more is i want to mention the plight of the character of Darth Vader. I refer you to Darth Vader as the character from the original trilogy, not the character of Anakin Skywalker who assumes the uh, the name Darth Vader midway through episode 3. Well, because he's randomly assigned that name from apparently out of a hat. I well, <laughs> you know, um Tyrannus pet was Vader, the name of the, the street he grew up on was Darth. told him. Tyrannus and Plagueis 
and uh, Insidious, I mean, Insidious, and the rest were taken. So the next one in the, in the uh, like, Thesaurus is Vader, I guess. Is there a Darth Gumdrop over there, or did they just always just go to that same section of the dictionary? Darth for, Gumdrop for Darth was names? not the most successful Sith, it turns out. He Darth did, Bad was, Stuff was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Darth fighty guy. So <laughs> I, I mentioned Darth Vader because I feel like one of the core problems with, that I have with this movie and with the entire prequel trilogy is it's hard for me to connect the Darth Vader we see in the original trilogy with this character. And this character not only does not end up in a place that I feel really connects to where Darth Vader is in the in the original trilogy, but more to the point, I feel like the fall of Anakin Skywalker does not map to who at who either Darth Vader is in the original trilogy or who I choose to believe Darth Vader is in the original trilogy. And I think that's a fundamental problem with the prequels. That is the fundamental problem with episode three. So that's my bingo. By which you mean he's not played by James Earl Jones or (laughs) James Earl Jones is in there. I just, I I will, we'll, I think we'll talk about it more, but I feel like Anakin's descent as we go through it um, is not uh, uh, fitting of where Darth Vader ends up. Because it's really dumb. And it's, yeah, it's not, it's not sensible Vader. in any way. Darth Vader no, is awesome and evil. And um, Anakin Skywalker is just kind of a chump. But I will say, <laughs> as evil as, as Vader is in the original trilogy, I had not envisioned him uh, slicing up a bunch of kids in yeah. the prequel trilogy. So. Well, that's to show that he's really evil, Steve. Otherwise, he wouldn't know. I don't like I- it. I would like to think that Anakin makes a series of terrible choices to take the cheap and easy way towards whatever, as opposed to <laughs> no, no, he was he was just easily he was just very easily bamboozled by he's an a old sucker. Guy. He's a sucker. He's he's not that bright. No, yeah, he's not he's that just... bright. Despite being the chosen one, handsome but not that bright. You know, in Spaceballs, when they're like, "Because good is dumb," it turns out <laughs> that evil is also is dumb. dumb. <laughs> All right, should we um should we recap? This movie no, should, no, I, should I kick go. it off? Let's All right, go here. home. War. Here we go. War. Go. That's my first <laughs> yeah. line too. What is uh, yeah, it good that was for? Mine too. Huh? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. At least it doesn't say taxation this time. Right. It, 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 one lesson. They learned their lesson. Learned. Make it exciting. Make <laughs> yeah, the let, opening scroll exciting. What's exciting? Hey guys, it's war. It's time we go to war. Negotiations. <laughs> nothing is more exciting than an exclamation point, and we get one right off the bat. Heated debate. You got to give it to them. They got they got the uh, exclamation point in there. I, I, I was going to say about this, the thing that bugs me about this is like one of the like second lines or something is there are heroes on both yes, sides. I and I was like, no, there are. are there? Are there? Yeah, that, that, are they there? undercut the war The thing. other side is evil. The evil side doesn't get heroes. Those are called villains, George. They're villains. <laughs> right. Like they, they, they got it off with the war and then immediately sabotaged themselves with their heroes on both sides. Like, wait, what? Like. Can't we just have a single black and white? It's a cool war where everyone's awesome. Watching this, did you get the sense that like some of the people working on this were working off the script with the salmon pages, and the other people were working on this off the script with the blue pages, <laughs> and other people working off the script with the yellow pages? It's a bit jumbled, isn't it? Yeah. My confusing thing for me is are, is is this does this scroll think that the people reading the scroll don't know that Palpatine is Darth Sidious? The whole you know, movie, the whole trilogy is kind of predicated on that, and yet the whole trilogy is predicated on people not really realizing that 
which is transparent from the beginning. Right, but like, it oh, was yeah. the third movie, and they're saying, like, oh, pa- Chancellor Palpatine was kidnapped. Like, we're oh, all, no. like, isn't, isn't the scroll talking to the audience? We know that he's Sidious. Like, why are you pretending? It doesn't make any sense. Well, it's so the weird thing that you kind of learned from the, the Clone Wars thing, not to drink, drag too much of that into it, but, like, nobody else, aside from, like, Count Dooku, knows that Darth Sidious and Chancellor Palpatine are the same person. So, like, General Grievous, in theory, does not know that. Which would make that interesting, but it's not communicated in the movie anywhere. <laughs> it is not. Nor nor are we really dealing with the fact, like, Palpatine in this movie and Palpatine throughout the Clone Wars could have been perceived as, you know that Jedi mind trick that you see in the original series where the weak willed can be controlled by somebody with a stronger mind? Turns out that's Palpatine's big power, is that he can control people who should not otherwise be able to fall under the control of Jedi mind tricks. And if you assume that, a lot of things seem more interesting. That would work a lot better if it were discussed anyway. Exactly. (laughs) Or if he could do that to the audience. If I didn't have to invent it whole cloth. That's that's such a sign of a movie that's not working when you find yourself writing a better movie in its place. <laughs> and I was doing that so often during this movie. Yes, and that's yeah. what frustrates me. So the the crawl suffers from a lot of the same problem as the rest of the writing in this script, which I will call declarative sentence disease, which is to say every <laughs> single line of dialogue is, I want this, this is that, that is this. And it's like, all right, so we don't know how to write. Let me take a break and tell you about Casper. You've heard about them here before. I am a satisfied customer of Casper. And let me tell you why. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses. They're available for a fraction of the price. Get away from the mattress industry with forcing customers into paying notoriously high markups. These are tech guys who are trying to revolutionize the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings on to you. This is an obsessively engineered mattress at a really great price. It offers just the right sink, just the right bounce, because it's using two different technologies. There's a latex foam and there's memory foam and they seamlessly put them together and you end up with an amazing sleep experience. I am not just reading ad copy when I tell you this, folks. I sleep on a Casper mattress every night. We have gotten rid of our old mattress. We bought a new bed. We have our new Casper mattress. It's amazing. What's even more amazing? Risk-free trial. Try sleeping on a Casper for up to 100 days. There's free delivery, painless returns, so you can try it out. And if you don't like this space-age internet mattress, you can return it. It's made in America. $500 for a twin, $950 for a king. You could probably extrapolate the prices in between. If you compare that to the industry averages, that's actually a really, really good price. So Casper, it's a revolution. It's a revolution in construction, in sales. And let me tell you, it's a revelation, huh? See what I did there? It, when you sleep on it, which I've been doing for the last few months, it's really great. And I say that there is nobody holding a gun to my head when I tell you I really enjoy the Casper mattress. I'm so glad that we got it. You should check it out. You can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by going here, www.casper.com slash incomparable. I don't know if you need the www or not. So you could try casper.com slash incomparable. See if that works, too. Importantly, use promo code incomparable to get your $50 off. That'll let you know that we sent you. And thanks to Casper for sponsoring the incomparable. Okay, back to Star Wars. I am excited to have another big villain introduced in the crawl that we neither know nor care about. (laughs) Indeed. For the third movie in a row. Indeed. Uh... Also, why do the droids need a, a droid leader? 
He's only partially droid, Steve. Not that you I'm would know that. Sure. Yeah, I know. His yeah. eyelids are organic. Which is also it. unclear. His wheezing lungs, his heart, and his yes, eyes George, are why organic. does this robot have emphysema? Can you explain that? <laughs> you would know that if you saw me? the Clone Wars animated series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, haven't you watched you everything? You can't count the Clone Wars animated series. It was clearly made by better people than this film. It's okay that we don't know why he wheezes. I said we didn't know why Darth Vader was all breathy in his mask in New Hope. We were well, fine with it. It is confusing because it's like, is he a droid or a cyborg or a person? Because is why would a, a droid? Why, why yeah. would a droid cough? Well, there's a difference between breathing and coughing. Yeah, the, <laughs> there's there is. <laughs> Great, the, let's go into that. The lar- the larger point is that, um, like uh, with Count Dooku, we are introduced to a major villain in the movie. Uh, with the crawl, which is stupid, and that also we have the uh, the inciting action of the movie is the kidnapping of the Chancellor, which also, of course, happens in text in the crawl rather than seeing anything. So, so this kind of keys into the word that comes to my mind most when thinking about this movie, and that is unearned. Which is to say, all these things that happen are unearned. So, for example, we get, like, the Jedi showing up to rescue Palpatine, and Grievous is like, General Kenobi, we meet again. And we're like, we don't know anything about, like, we have no context for that whatsoever. Like, that does not exist. So, they're trying to bring up this sort of, like, oh, they've had this game of cat and mouse, and they're, like, these antagonists and nemeses. And it's like, but that's unearned because we don't know anything about that. We're just told that it exists, and in some cases, not even told that it exists, left to infer it. So there's a lot of clumsiness because a lot of stuff that we're sort of assumed to have known things. This this movie has a problem with having a lot of text, no subtext, and then like all this stuff it assumes you know, which is not subtext. It's like getting back to my opening statement where like if you if you had two movies, this is the last movie. You've got to care about these characters, but but you can't have an opening a movie that opens with a set piece with a battle. Unless it's involving, hey, it's your old friends again. Like, I mean, opening Return of the Jedi, it's your old friends. You know, they're trying to get Han out. Why do you care about Han? Because there was two other movies. Why do you care about the people <laughs> rescuing him? Because there was two other yes. movies. Like, As opposed to, oh, it's these two animals. Right. Like, you can't, like, that's, it, you can't, I mean, it's not such a bad idea to have an opening set piece with a space battle. But if it opens and you're like, I don't care about any people in the space battle. I don't, I don't care about what they're doing. I don't care about what's at stake. I don't care about, like, it's just... It's so hard to make a good third movie when the first two were so terrible, unless you're going to somehow make me love these characters. Like, you have to start, you're starting from zero, which is terrible. How can you start a third movie from zero? Yeah. And so here, not to talk about the Clone Wars too much, but I but I am going to bring it up because I feel like it's relevant to this movie. I do kind of feel that a lot of what was done in the Clone Wars was Lucasfilm and probably Lucas to a lesser extent realizing, hey, we have the potential for like interesting things to happen in this movie, but we don't have anything set up. But no one cares. There's no there's no conflict. There's no real resolution. There's no excitement. So how about we fill in five seasons of backstory to make people actually care about those characters? And like, I really do think there's a difference watching the third film with knowledge of all of the things that happened in the Clone Wars and watching the film as most of us did in the theater when the Clone Wars didn't exist. Because I like I I feel like a lot of things like, oh shoot, hey, let's uh you wanna make the Order sixty six a much bigger betrayal, skipping, you know, just minor spoilers here. Hey, how about we make it Commander Cody that sets everything off? Just to f with people. When you're watching this the first time, you're like uh, that that who's who the f- is Commander Cody? I don't care. I'm sorry. I'm swearing like left and right here, but I feel like it's important. <laughs> but yeah, like this will make a great uh, special edition <laughs> later. I was I was kind of okay with some of these appearances of some of these characters because you can get too bogged down by saying, well, everything has to have a four page long backstory to it. 
with one of these Darths, really, all he needs, you just need Dougie McBadguy. He's the guy who's going to fight Obi-Wan, <laughs> making sure that he's got something distracted so he can't be with Anakin at a time when he's going to be very, very vulnerable. I don't really, I, I, I think it was a clumsy thing to have, so we meet again for the last time, for the first time. <laughs> but it's like, really, that character's all about, well, what if we make, what if we have like a, a mostly robotic Sith Lord that's got like eight arms and 41 attachments? for his lightsabers and they'll go all spinny and stabby sold don't even waste time on on giving me his i don't know i don't need to know what school he went from just show me the spinny stabby <laughs> lightsaber guy yeah the biggest problem uh for things that are left out is the same one that it was for episode two which is that there's this supposed rapport and this brother brotherhood between obi-wan and anakin and there are all these great adventures they've gone on and and fixes that anakin's gotten obi-wan out of and we hear about them and they sound really cool, but we don't get to see that. We get to see them talk about it in like short little clips. They sat on couches a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we saw that. They were we were on that couch together. We were in a room and someone was talking. <laughs> I remember that. There was two movies of that. Oh, times. those were good times. Those were great times. Oh, that couch on Zeta 2 Reticuli doesn't count, Padawan. <laughs> that was an Ottoman. So basically, this is about the, the corruption of Anakin and occasional seating. Yeah. Well, we go back to the what made the original trilogy successful. The original trilogy had many of these same problems where it's like we don't, you know, we, we are to assuming that these people had these adventures and these people are fighting, you know, the rebellion in between movies and all of this crazy stuff has happened. But the rapport on screen is so good that we believe it. Yeah, the difference is that interesting things happened in those movies, too. No interesting things happened in these movies. They were not sitting on the couch. They did not get eaten or attacked by a wampa. All of the interesting things happened when we left the theater and went away for a year or two. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And when a movie is working, you don't notice these things. It's That's true. That's the difference between working and not working. It's true. Although, again, with a third movie in a, in a, in a series, as John said, you can use the momentum that you've built up to do shorthand, to get the audience invested. And if you had any momentum. If, and that's the problem here is that we, General Grievous is a blank. Count Dooku, at least we remember him from the last movie, but he's, he's he barely did anything in the last movie. Though. And he doesn't last long in this movie. And he doesn't so. last long in this movie. And there's this other coughing robot that's happening with lots of collected lightsabers. Um, and so and so we don't see. Yeah, we, we, we don't have any of that momentum to use here, which is which is part of the problem. Plus, plus, we know they're going to rescue the bad guy, which means we know that this is all a there's sham. No yeah, there's which no means stakes. that the fun. I think the root problem of George Lucas deciding this was entirely going to be a story about how Palpatine conned everybody from the first, you know, ten minutes of of the Phantom Menace, referring to Palpatine, essentially setting this thing up. This is the problem: is that it's all a sham. And so, as a viewer, I'm like, well, yeah, they're going to go save. Palpatine, but it's all a setup. So, you know, I, I don't even have a rooting interest like I do of like, yeah, they're going to save Han. That's good. We like Han. It's like, oh, they're going to go save Palpatine because it's a con. Right. It's a fundamentally, the problem with this is it's fundamentally lazy because it's relying on the fact that we, oh, you guys all loved episodes four, five, and six, right? Well, we're going to tell you the untold stories of how all that came around. But it turns out that we're just going to connect the dots in the most linear, unsurprising way that we can think of just to get we're literally here to get from point A. Anakin Skywalker is a little kid to point B. Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader. 
there are no surprises thrown in. Well, and there's no there's no sense of it. Like everyone in it has, has to be a dunce like for it to work. Is it just it doesn't make any sense. Everyone has to look stupid. There's nothing clever going on. It does after the fact, you know, during it doesn't feel true. After the fact, if you examine it, it doesn't make any sense. Like it is the worst. That's why, you know, Jason said that he has difficulty connecting this Vader with the the Vader from the original trilogy. In some ways that's a blessing that I these movies don't connect for me in any way, but like <laughs> that just shows like you haven't actually explained how we got there. Those movies start Everything that's in place in those movies is not explained by these three movies. These three, when these three movies end, if I extrapolate forward from these three movies, it does not look like the original trilogy. Like, it just doesn't look like that. It doesn't make any sense. I think these guys are all losers. Everybody's stupid. The Jedi are stupid. <laughs> Palpatine, like, well, they're not. They're not necessarily stupid. The the one of the one of the many failings of this trilogy is that they never make you think about how brilliant this plan to basically get rid of no, the republic no. and establish the empire is no it re- it re- yeah. the, the idea the idea that i'm going to slowly gain power i'm going to basically create my own set of troops that are, that are going to be like the heroes that defend everybody people are going to think that we've got these jedi that are actually commanding these troops we're actually we're just dispersing the jedi to make sure that they're going to be overwhelmed by 30 30 clone troopers when i need to get them all out of the way Potent, and again, this is, I, I admit this is a case of you're bored watching this terrible movie, so you're writing a better movie in its place. But it was potentially a really good plan. They just never because they they would rather much rather have us have us believe that Anakin is this moony eyed teen tiger beat like oh isn't it so tragic and dusky that he's being turned this way to save the life of his love? It's like no, that's I don't buy that either. The problem is that to Lucas in this particular connect the dots game, what's important to him is the dots and not the connect between them we have to have the Chewbacca yeah. dot in this movie That's a good we've got point. to show Chewbacca right. somewhere and the political science I would say which you know like I said is oh, one of the root problems gosh. here is that is that uh, it, it, in fact as political science it's bad political science because what he's it really is. doing is telling a rise of Hitler allegory the idea with all of these rises of dictators is everybody goes along with it because it's a gradual slide it is the parable of the frog and the gradually boiling pot of water you know the what ends up happening is you turn around one day and you realize oh my god we turned into an empire but that's not what happens this because that first off that wouldn't be a very exciting series of science fiction action movies i suppose it would be boring political science but this is already boring political science so what we get is taxation again if you would ask me at the beginning what's the trilogy going to be about i'd be like it's going to be about a kid who's brilliant and he's going to and and as the the light of the jedi is fading and the light of the uh of the uh the the emperor he is on the rise he's torn between these two the fading good guys and the rising bad guys and he makes some bad decisions that end him in a really deep dark place because along with the whole galaxy right instead what we get is well it's really a story about a dictator tricking everybody so that he can rise to power that is really what george lucas thinks these movies are about right and i would argue take a step further and argue that that you know even if that's what you thought the movies were going to be out about anakin's fall uh i would argue that they shouldn't have been i think because it's really as we're going to see later on in this movie it becomes really hard especially in a star wars movie which even if it gets dark is still supposed to be sort of an adventure rob well, that's, that's to true. sympathize mm-hmm. with a character who is going to do terrible things really the story in my mind and andy is totally right you're writing a better story as you go along should be about obi-wan's Obi-Wan. hubris well it's yeah. it's it's the counter uh <laughs> 
counterpoint of Obi-Wan and, and, and Anakin, right. right, is ideally the story here is that one of them is this person who is who has always dreamed of being a Jedi, but the Jedi are fading out, which is part of my problem with this, by the way, is that in the original trilogy, you get the sense that the Jedi have been fading away, where it's right. like, well, no, it was more of a lightsaber away in about 10 <laughs> minutes. Yeah, people have um, already more or less forgotten about the Jedi by the time of episode four. Yeah, that, yes, we've covered this yeah. before, that everyone just forgot. Jedi, I've never <laughs> seen anything no. like Han has never seen Jedi. What is this crazy religion mm. you're talking about? The Jedi are not allowed to be spoken of. They were uh, they were expunged in the pogroms. <laughs> exactly. And then the counterpoint is Obi-Wan, who's basically soldiering on, and, and Yoda, I suppose, soldiering on, everything's fallen apart. What is the last thing we have? And the last thing we have is to get us set up for these kids. And that and it's sort of like, I have to retreat, everything is sad, but I'm going to find a way through so that there's a glimmer of hope for the future, a new hope in the future, right? And that's not what we get, though. But the problem is that fundamentally what happens is that every single important thing that goes on, every single piece of important character development that happens, to Steve's point about not connecting the dots, the problem is that the rationale for every single thing from Anakin's fall to the fall of the Republic is it happened because the script said so, (laughs) right? There's no, there is no connection. There is nothing there. And it is, to a tangential point about the people forgetting about Jedi, I was hugely amused to watch a recent episode of Star Wars Rebels, which is quite entertaining and people are talking about jedi like ah yeah those guys are fairy tales i'm like it's been 15 years it just, it just this is like if you forgot about like oh yeah so seal team six right those guys are just a myth because that happened like 10 years ago were the jedi secret agents well if you weren't involved in a border dispute i could see how you would not have run across uh, them at any fair time. enough well, I mean, if you think about it, if you're talking about outer rim planets, right? You've probably never seen a Jedi again, unless there's a portal. Uh, they, they need the internet. They're con- no, they're considered the mythical, the mythical saviors of the galaxy, right? And then if you also put the Jedi in the Jews situation, if we're making a <laughs> World War II allegory, let's do it. Like, no, oh, I'm God. serious. Like, you put them, you put them into the slot, into the the Jedi Jews slot, and you think about it, it's probably. <laughs> Yes, t-shirt. That is a slot Mark that for as a t-shirt design. <laughs> please, please. The term is Judaize. <laughs> oh, boo! Uh, all right, but all right. You t- you take that hypothesis. The Empire is probably like we don't want to hear about Jedi's. We don't want Jedi's mentioned. We don't- so if you grew up in that era, you're not going to talk about Jedi's. You're not going to hear about Jedi's because it's basically a taboo topic. It's a topic that you get arrested on. But even taboo topics, people know about them. They know. They they know. Right. Fifteen they really years know. is not long enough. They're not legends at that point, right? They're 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 their memory that that people talk about, and it's it's not like faded. They eventually would fade into a legend, but again, that would be after fifty years or yeah, fifty years. or hundred years later. That's one thing. Fifteen years later, like I'm pretty sure people even on the far rims of the galaxy would still believe that those are actual things that existed somewhere. Yeah, and John, you mentioned on the talk show Star Wars episode about this this point that when Han Solo is talking to Obi Wan and Luke. He's like talking about the Jedi like they're just a rumor of a crazy thing that happened a hundred years ago. Yeah, he's right. been all over the galaxy, seen a lot of strange things. He's never seen anything that convinced him that Jedi that the Force even exists as a thing. Like, I mean, he was alive when the Jedi were around, and he, you know, they had a whole big temple on the the, the main planet of the Empire. Right, whole big building. He's never seen anything. He just, Dome, yeah, he, conference room. He's, he's a he's a Jedi denier. He's a Force denier. <laughs> It's a really effective disinformation campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we don't want a Star Wars movie where we can't root for the guy, where we feel you know where he's going to do terrible things. 
I think you can. You just have to understand why he's doing the terrible things. Like that whole thing. If if your main character is going to do terrible things, it's going to end up becoming evil. You want to feel like, boy, that's terrible, but I kind of see where where he was coming from. Sure. And again, yes. I keep bringing up the Godfather movies yeah. where he does all sorts of horrible things. Instead like, of this is the dumbest person in the universe, right? <laughs> right, is- because you have to be like, you, you, he makes bad choices, but you can totally understand where he's at emotionally and why. Why? Like it's a difficult choice. Like that. And then in this movie, you watch it, and it's like no sane person would make that choice. And so you can't empathize with him at all. And so now it's not that you're seeing him do bad things. You're seeing him do bad things inexplicably. And you're like, well, this guy's just uh, nuts. They shortcut it too, right? Because the murder of small children is like, oh, there's nothing more evil than the murder of small children. That'll convey to everybody he's evil. There's no real reason to do that, though. Yeah, they could have had him yeah. kick puppies. Like Puppies and kittens would come on the screen and he would stomp them with his foot. See? Huh? Pretty evil. Now I'm turning to Darth Vader for some reason. <laughs> yep. Let me Let me kill some kids. That makes sense. Young youngs are worse. Of all, of all the people in that temple, you want to go against people who are your age, who are just as skilled and trained. If there's some uh, apprentice Jedi's who are about half your height, one third your weight, and barely are trusted <laughs> with a sword, that's if I got to kill Jedi's, that's who I'm going for first. Okay. Oh, you're a fearsome Jedi. The, those babies are traitors. They're traitors exactly. to the Republic, Andy. Yeah, those they, kids. They are... know about politics. Well, you don't want the little dudes running around chopping at your knees while you're fighting uh, somebody else. <laughs> those kids were definitely old enough to vote, by the way. Way. Plus, they they park they park their bikes in your parking spot, no matter how many times you tell them not to. Did you see that teenage Jedi fighting off all those clone troopers? It needed to die. He gave me lip too. Had a real attitude. I believe that was George Lucas's son. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> let me take a break to tell you about Mail Route. Imagine a world without spam, viruses, or bounced email. Imagine opening your email and seeing only the legitimate email you want and need to receive. MailRoute can make that a daily reality they have for me. You don't have to install any hardware or software. You don't have to maintain hardware or software. It all happens in the cloud. MailRoute receives your mail, sorts it, and delivers only clean email to your email server and mailbox. It's easy to set up, reliable, trusted by the largest universities and corporations. As a desktop user like me, you'll find MailRoute's user interface super simple and effective. If you're an email administrator, or an IT professional. They've built all of their tools with you in mind. There's even an API for easy account management. There's support for LDAP and Active Directory, TLS, mail bagging, outbound relay, everything you'd want from the people who are handling your email. You can start a risk-free trial with no credit card required. You sign up, you change your MX records, and you do need to know what that is. That means that they're uh, going to point the mail to MailRoute servers first, and then it passes on to you. You do that, your mailbox and hardware are completely protected it is simple and effective. There's no good reason not to give it a try. Everybody who listens to The Incomparable receives 10% off the lifetime of your account. Go to MailRoute.net slash Snell right now, and you can get 10% off for the lifetime of your MailRoute account. MailRoute.net slash Snell. Thank you so much to MailRoute for sponsoring The Incomparable. So so the the crawl. The crawl. <laughs> so the crawl. <laughs> We're an hour in and we've gotten to the crawl. Okay, we we've we've covered we've covered a lot here. I I just I I'm going to I'm going to mention some things that happened and then we can go from there. Again, Palpatine is kidnapped off screen. We we do see early X-wings and tie fighters and I wanted to use that as a jumping off point to briefly discuss the fact that there is an attempt made by somebody in the art department to tie this movie in yep. with a new hope. This this is very clear that they are trying very hard. So we get early 
uh, ships that look very much like X-Wing, ships that look like TIE fighters, but aren't quite there yet. We see uh, there are cinnamon rolls on the side of Padme's head that are very Leia-like. And then late in the movie, we see Jimmy Smith's traveling on a ship with white interior that looks very much like the ship at the beginning of A New Hope. So there are it is attempts. The ship. I think it, it is, is, ship, is it yeah. officially yeah. the same ship? Uh, the Tantive Four, I think it is. Ship? Yeah, because it's Captain Antilles. Oh, right, because they give they yeah. give C three PO to him and have him have have him wipe have his memory. memory yeah, there, there's a bunch of those things I noticed. Subtler uh, in the the displays in the Jedi's fighters look exactly like the display in Darth Vader's Tie Fighter in Episode Four. The little circular like targeting thing is the uh, same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same display as well. So they they tried, but it's kind of ham fisted in some places. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like in, in the same way that I really like the the music in these movies, I think the the designs for the things are actually really good. I like the designs of the proto-Star Destroyers. I like the proto-X-Wings. The, the Jedi fighters are a little bit dorky. I kind of see what they're going with. But like, I, I think the the sort of mecha designs, to use the anime term, in, in the entire prequels, for the most part, are pretty good. I mean, I don't really like the droids from the prequels. I don't really like most of the robots, but the ships are all pretty good. The ships are pretty good. Hard to make an uncool starship. It was really interesting to see how they will do like computer displays, knowing that they have to make it look that the, like this was twenty years before the technology yeah. that we before nineteen seventy seven. That was able exactly like we have we have to do cat we have to do Nixie tubes somehow in here and make it look like it's a real thing. I love that the evolution somewhere out there is like no no these these multi purpose LCD displays these aren't the most useful way to display information. Blinking lights arranged yeah. in a console. CRTs should really evolve from LCDs. That's vector much graphics. smarter when you think but about it. You know what? Graphics. There was a terrible war. I'm sure LCD panels are in short supply. They just have to use old technology. Maybe it's all Adafruit stuff where you, know, you, you just buy one of these old panels, hook it up to, to a Raspberry Pi. The first time through, and maybe the second movie too, it was all about, look, what we can do state-of-the-art. This movie, it definitely feels like the in-the-art direction, like John said, in-the-art direction, um, <laughs> this movie is about hinting at the original trilogy and hinting especially at episode four that they, there is an effort made and I, yeah i think it's cool i think it's cool that suddenly you're like hey wait a second he's flying a ship that looks kind of like darth vader's tie fighter and those look like x-wings and 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 there there's the superstructure of the death star but i actually really liked the the uh the freighter which uh, which i guess yeah or the 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 um the the ship that antilles is on um, and, and, uh, yeah, Jimmy Smith is on. I like that because it's like, Hey, we're back where we started. Right. I, I liked seeing that. It's the same problem as Darth Vader where it's all shoved into the last movie though. Well, yeah. It's like, we didn't build towards that. Nope. We're like, we got to the third no, movie and we're not. like, Oh crap. We well, forgot to mention these connect. <laughs> That's the that's this whole movie is this which is like oh geez we squandered two yeah. movies and now we got to put it all in here all right this is the last yeah. season of Lost squished into one two an hour and twenty minute film <laughs> I, I was gonna say like two I was gonna say it was like George minutes. George Lucas's term paper is due the next day and he's like crap I gotta finish this all no. in three hours <laughs> he didn't say crap Dan he said no. <laughs> I will say, do we see the um, do we see the proto empire um, imperial uniforms anywhere else but the last scene? Because that definitely felt out of nowhere. Yeah. All, all of a sudden, the tailor said, "Quick, get those get those outfits whipped up." 
We need them for the final scene. I know. I'm like, you guys have epaulets and everything else. I'm like, oh, yeah. Palpatine had a whole to... planet of tailors putting together outfits throughout this entire clones, scheme. So. He does, because Palpatine has the Imperial Guards. The red guys are like ready to go. You know, if, if Obi-Wan had asked Dexter Jetster about a planet full of tailors <laughs> instead of cloners, then he probably would have told him about it. Uh, that's right. Because we would have figured out you, the entire you got to admire thing. Palpatine's uh, plotting. Not only does he raise that clone army, but he does have new uniforms ready to go. He sews the them all himself. That man well, is well it's, it's, it's like opening a restaurant you do a soft launch just to get the bugs out and then you open the doors for the for the for the for the, for the galaxy all right we're wearing these gray things now yes yes all right <laughs> he's got the outfits and he's got the people to wear them Boss, good are, morning are, are you, you gonna tell us what these chicklets on our chests actually mean or nope. okay, no. it's it's a style Who cares? thing that, that's we got all team new uniforms mm-hmm. it's a style thing that 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 was I, I I remember I distinctly remember in the theater watching episode three and the the point where I kind of gave up on the movie was oh so not only are we seeing Wookies we are absolutely seeing Chewbacca, Chewbacca here yes and it's yeah. just, and it's not like it's not as though that he just like accidentally showed up in episode four with no connection anything oh, okay. Got a wink to the audience. I have a note to that Andy effect, to, to that effect, which reads, Chewbacca meets Yoda. This sounds like somebody's fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you know that apparently in an earlier draft of the movie, there was supposed to be a 10-year-old Han Solo as well on <laughs> yeah. Kazooka? Oh. On Kazook, right. sorry, Kazook. Because Kazook. that makes I had a that. lot of sense. It's it's like it's it really is. Oh, at some point, like they wanted, they came up with a master list of everything we liked about the Holy Trilogy and decided to throw sand on every gear in those mechanisms. It's yes. important. Well, and the Wookies, they avoided ruining the Wookies until this film, and then they managed. <laughs> thanks, <it. laughs> thanks, guys. A brave, a brave warrior race. They were the one among the last to fall. So I, I agree that I like the ship design in this movie. What I dislike is the way that we are introduced to the ship designs, which is that at the beginning of every single scene, there is a CGI establishing shot of some sort of landscape, and we get to see this ship swoop in from the side, and we yeah. see a close of it for, for sometimes as much as 35 minutes. I actually, <laughs> uh, not 35, 35 seconds. It felt like 35 minutes, though. I actually went through all the 50 chapter stops on my DVD, and of those 50, 22 of them start off with one of these sweeping CGI shots. Well, it just goes to the same point about laziness. This entire movie is lazy from step one. The shots are very static. They're the same. All the dialogue is very much the same. Like, it's just, they just, they just kind of pounded it out in like a weekend. But these shots, they do nothing but show off the visual effects. Don't even get me started about the fight choreography. The fight choreography is terrible. Yeah, to your point about visual effects, as I said, watching I watched this movie 2X, and oh man, when you watch something in 2X, it's 60 frames per second. You know what else is 60 frames per second? Video cutscenes, specifically in video games. <laughs> so the vast majority of this movie already, you know, the, the CGA is, is iffy. When you play it back at 60 frames per second, you can really tell what's what's terrible CGI and what little bits are real people. And that kind of blends together. Yeah, the worst part of that is the the clone troopers. Like, there's no reason oh, yeah. for all those clone troopers to be CG. You can put a guy in a plastic suit. We mm-hmm. have that technology. It actually looks pretty <laughs> darn good, especially when, like, you don't even see that. It's just their torso in the background. And it's, it's the Lucas Digital, you know, uh, sort of changing history after the fact disease. It's like, 
I like this scene, but it would be better if we had a, a clone <laughs> trooper in the background. Sure, we could just put him there. Like, you could have had a guy standing there with a suit. No, no, we'll, we'll, we'll add him in post with the... And, like, it's just... It, they, they look so bad. What's damning, John, is that even worse, you can go back to the original trilogy and find places where all those stormtroopers exist in matte paintings, and they still look uh, better. Yeah, they, yeah. Uh, because they're just too darn close. Like, they're they're close-up background filler, but your eye is drawn to them because you, you get Shiny. that they're not right. And it's like, it's just... It's not a giant ship. It's not a huge vista of a city you can't build. It's a guy wearing plastic just go to a con and pull out one of the cosplayers they're there <laughs> yeah it, it's so the uh, crawl so yeah so the early x-wings are there the, the piloted by uh clone uh clone troopers so we get our our uh our Django fett actor gets to continue or, to or his his face digitally composited all yeah. over the freaking place in this movie yep blue yep. screens within green screens anakin and obi-wan scrape off some droid bugs i thought that was a I, interesting <laughs> that use scene, of droid I, technology. there's a scene where three of them are worrying about how to get the things off like r2 and both of them are like looking yeah. over at obi-wan ship and i'm like why, why are they not watching where they are going they're in the middle of a dog fight <laughs> they're in this big battle but apparently there's no danger don't you know flying is for droids flying yeah. is for droids they don't need to actually pay attention to where they're going no they're too busy scraping off the bugs you want to talk about a, a, a tragedy uh or you know the one reason why we really don't care about these uh these characters at all is r5 who is you know supposedly obi-wan's closest droid companion we've seen him with r5 for most of the movies r5 gets killed in the first he meets a tragic end this. yeah his head his gets trash can off. Comes and off. even obi-wan <laughs> just says oh well i hope he has a backup no one cares if you if you love your astromech droid Back him up daily. Yeah, he hates least. that robot. Let's just be <laughs> honest here. I hope he has a backup of him. He had to talk to him for all of episode two. He has now he has no <laughs> yeah. one to spew exposition to, which just means he'll have to talk less. So he's it's like, like uh, there's a there's a point at which you just intentionally drop your iPhone 4s in the toilet because you really <laughs> want the iPhone six. So the other thing I kind of infer from this scene that again is totally inferred and not spelled out is: Are we supposed to get the idea that Anakin has basically been promoted too early because the Jedi are being pressed into service, and he's like, you know, we sort of later on with his whole argument about not becoming a master get the this idea that like yeah he's really good and everything but it also is it supposed to feel like oh man they promoted him too fast because he we we really need more jedi because we're fighting this big war it's also because that chosen one thing like he's supposed to this first movie had some bs about a chosen one yeah i guess we have to like promote him (laughs) he is the main character we have to promote him (laughs) no it's the chancellor the chancellor is somehow screwing with our minds Mm. and forcing us to do this and oh we feel kind of kind of bad i guess i guess we have to do this so they, they land in the in the uh the little landing bay thing which has got the magnetic shields on i, I do have side. to point out yes. one thing about the space battle which yes. is that in the interest of continuity uh we do have a scene where anakin avoids some missiles by spinning it turns out that actually was a good trick <laughs> pay, pay off pay off and and somehow the trade federation hasn't really upgraded its droids in all the years that it's been doing stuff either it didn't really learn from its experiences yeah, that, that's the the problem with this the they're still scene. dumb after, after they land it reinforces yeah. the, the the lesson we should have learned from especially episode one is that weak enemies are boring it's a replay of episode yeah. one yeah i have the same when thing. they go in there and start slicing and dicing those droids it's like okay yeah we get it they're weak enemies they're not a threat to you my notes just say more droid saber fodder that's it's just like oh these guys they're mm-hmm. stupid 
stupid and a waste of everyone's time. That's hilarious, Jason. I have the same thing. Battle droids are still useless and clones are fodder. <laughs> like, it's the same. It's just, let's put these two giant armies here with no stakes because, oh, those guys are robots and those guys are clones. Who really cares about any of those you, you people? Would, you would think their arms yeah. would be getting tired of it by this point. They'd, they'd hire help to go, could you just mow down these droids? Because, like, really, <sighs> they're not a threat. But it's just my arm is getting so tired mm-hmm. from cutting these droids and have just really a lot of work. Yeah, I love that line from Obi-Wan about the clones. They're doing their job so we can do ours. And their job is to explode, basically. <laughs> their job is to die yep. without honor. Can you say that in a Klingon voice? It sounds like you need to say that in a Klingon voice. There is no honor in dying as a clone. They are going to die with no honor. Cloners. They're cloners. Oh, these cloners. We gotta, we gotta put <laughs> another order in for more clones really with good the cloners. cloners. Best cloners I know. So of. we got Shots. some elevator shenanigans. There's lots of uh, really <laughs> exciting stuff involving elevators, and that's what I look for in a Star Wars movie: is some elevator. So action. many elevators. They blow the top off. It goes down. It comes back up. I find it interesting that. Um, the one new Trade Federation dude they introduce is no longer an Asian stereotype, but a surfer dude. <laughs> See, I guess there's nothing they can do about Newt Gunray at this point, nope. but they sure aren't going to throw any more new insulting Asian characters in there. Nope. <laughs> nope. I, I, wrote, I wrote down, how come R2-D2 needs a comlink? He's a droid. Yes. I wrote that too. Why does R2 and, have a human and then I radio? In, in parentheses, for stupid comedy moments later. <laughs> Yeah, he also has rockets and oil ejectors that he uses. But why? Why he's a robot? Why does he have a human walkie-talkie? We didn't complain about this in episode four when they needed to close down the garbage mashers. Yeah, but it's because they gave it to C three PO as a hand. They gave it to three PO. Three PO doesn't have a comlink, although he really should. He should against. He should. He doesn't have organs. He doesn't have. He doesn't need to carry a wallet. The difference is they're using the Death Star's communication system, so they they might not be wired up to that. But this is like they're trying to be in touch with each other, and they give R two a walkie-talkie. It just seems weird to me. No cell phones a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Okay. It's pretty cool that all of those decks of heavy metal don't actually interrupt the signal of the walkie-talkie. No, they don't. Those are yeah. space walkie-talkies. Yeah. Space radios, it's a speakerphone, yeah. too, because like part of the joke is like he's supposed to be holding the thing, and he's got it on speaker or something, yeah. and then the voice comes in. And, and other realizes, droids hear him. Yeah. Right. What I take real offense to in this film is they make R2, a, they make R2 an idiot. A joke. Like, well, yeah, exactly. I, yes and no, although I will say the scene where he douses the guys in oil and then sets them on fire was actually kind of bomb. I agree. Oh, yeah. I agree. <laughs> although the slapstickiness of it did not need to be there. No, but I felt like, R2-D2 setting guys on fire? That's amazing. Yes. That should happen right. all yeah. the time. <laughs> Flammable metal, reason, but, yeah. you know, well, whatever. They, I'm they, good with they it. They figured, okay, we, we've established that he can eject liquids, and he has <laughs> rockets, so let's do let's this. Let's do it. It's clever. It's clever. But yeah, to Jason's point, this entire sequence does feel like a replay of the episode one bit, down to the, oh, look, battle droids. Oh, look, destroyers. Oh, look, we're running around at super speed. Like, you know, basically, all, all, we're missing all the beats puns here. from C-3PO. Yeah. But now it's a, a different Jedi, and we're still sort of negotiators. <laughs> I, I think they mean this to be like, hey, aren't you getting that episode one feeling? It's like we've come all the way back around to episode one again, <laughs> we except never we're all like, want oh, that no, feeling. no, not episode one again. Uh, we get to see Mr. Mister Dooku again briefly uh, before he's beheaded. Uh, I wanted to point out that in the background, this is one of those, um, like, uh, we we have so much power on our computing uh, platforms now <laughs> that we can do anything. They literally, while the entire showdown is happening with uh, with Dooku and General Grievous 
and the Jedi, there is the most insane space battle happening behind them that we don't care about. But it's really literally like, hey, guys, what if we took the insane space battle from Return of the Jedi and just had the background <laughs> where nobody cared about it? Can I can I file something under um, plot points that make absolutely no sense and are in there for no reason? Files getting awfully full. It's a big it's a big one. <laughs> it's a final. This cabinet. scene does not exist for any reason. I can tell. The El- Anakin's jumped outside the elevator, right? And he jumps back down, and you know Obi Wan goes to hit him with the lightsaber, and then goes, "Oh, it's you." Yeah, and it's like. A, who the hell else is it going to be? B, you're a freaking Jedi. You should know when your pal shows up. Are your powers totally useless? And there's no reason for it to be there. There's It serves zero purpose. It's supposed to be funny. like the sort of camaraderie, like, oh, these times we have together and oh. isn't it wacky. And then we're going to transition right into while you're unconscious, I'm going to kill this guy. Yeah. Also, um... <laughs> Not to mention Obi-Wan unconscious, but I'm pretty sure that that deck crushes his legs. And then his yeah. legs are totally fine, like, two <laughs> yeah, seconds yeah. later. No it, biggie. Jedi it just power. gently pins him down. Well, didn't yeah. that column of rock crush his legs in the previous film? I mean, they came pre-crushed. Yeah, he's got bad luck with his legs. Yeah. He's, he's I, got robo-legs. I will say, one thing, one thing I like in this first segment is Dooku's crazy, what? What the f- What are you doing? Crazy eyes to to Palpatine. <laughs> well, Christopher Lee gives another really game performance here, however brief, which just serves to highlight the fact that we only see him for like 30 seconds in either film, and he's the one guy that manages to survive through two films as a villain. My note for that says Christopher Lee may be the only actor who showed up for this scene. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Although, again, I will say that if you if you add a CGI hand of Palpatine waving his hand in front of Anakin where he's like remember what you what you told me about your mother and the sand people you know this is is not the Jedi way that's okay Anakin all of a sudden his crazy like pseudo pseudo creepy speech makes a lot more sense well he doesn't even do that speech at this point at this point he's like he's, he's got Dooku on the ropes he's got the, the lightsabers by his neck and Anakin goes I shouldn't and the convincing argument that, that brings him over to the, the, the fact that he should kill this guy is Palpatine says do it Yes. Like, that's it. Like, yeah. oh, well, I've yeah. been convinced by the power of your argument. No, no, he doesn't just say do it. He says, do it. Yeah, he's yes. like yes. the Sidious voice. He's putting, he's putting his Jedi, his evil Darth, or his evil Sith powers to the test. He's... No, he just wanted him to have a Mountain Dew. <laughs> that's do what the was. do, Anakin. Do the do. Oh, uh, that's why Christopher oh, Lee, Dooku is so surprised. Like, do it? Mountain that was, that Dooku. That's the thing that brought you around? That's all it took? What if I say don't do it? Now will you not kill yeah. me? <laughs> that's the rest of the movie. Do it. Don't do it. Do it. Don't you know, do it. At this point, I have to say, you're making this a whole, whole lot less fun for me. This is just too easy. Also, yeah. does anyone else think, like, when they walk in and you see Palpatine, like, sitting in that chair, it's like, this is kind of intended to evoke ep- episode six? Oh, no. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Supposed to look like yeah, it's like, oh, God. And, so, and yet nobody can cotton on to the fact that he's the bad guy. He's sitting in the bad guy chair. Yeah. I don't understand how every single one of these Sith dudes can sense the great fear and anger in Anakin, yet all of his Jedi pals are completely <laughs> oblivious to it. Well, yeah. Guy seems cool. Yeah. Is that just seems something like that cool you get dude. on the dark side is the ability to sense fear and anger? Yeah. I mean, I Yoda can do it, in theory. Search your feelings. You know that this is a time when I will tell you about Squarespace. You know, building a website can be tough, even if you do know your way around coding. Creating something that looks good and works well is a time-consuming affair at best. Whether it's for something like a business site, a portfolio, a restaurant, something that's not in Flash, for example, for a restaurant. We would like more of those. But today, you probably need one 
Fortunately, Squarespace is here to make it easy to build beautiful websites without being a super expert in all of these different disciplines and even without breaking a sweat. Squarespace provides simple, powerful, and beautiful website templates for you to work with. These templates are part of Squarespace's responsive design. That means it works great on a giant monitor like my 27-inch iMac. Looks great on an iPhone, too, and every size in between. So you don't have to maintain different templates, and your site looks good no matter who is looking at it and what device they're looking at it on. Every website you build also comes with a free online store if you need it. If you need something minimalistic or powerful, you can use the cover page feature to set up a single page site that is beautiful and you can do it in minutes. It used to be when I started building web pages, it was just a disaster. Uh, text files and CSS files weren't even invented yet. So you had multiple files that you had to edit or search and replace in all these different places and get them on a server. Squarespace has everything. They've got the designs, they've got the maintenance tools, and they've got the servers, and it's all on Squarespace. You cannot beat the ease and simplicity of Squarespace. 24-7 online support, a beautiful website, and it costs $8 a month. Super cheap. You can even get a free domain if you buy a whole year up front. So what are you waiting for? Start a trial. You don't need to give them a credit card. You can start building your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, use the offer code incomparable and you'll get 10% off your first purchase and it will show your support for the incomparable. Turn away from the dark side. Come to the light. Join us in the light with Squarespace. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. The ship is hit at one point and actually like falls where I had that moment of of the gravity questions, which is like yeah, the ship's yeah, in space. Try, how, try is to think about gravity. how is it? How is it falling? And when they tilt the ship, Artificial everybody tilts. Off, and yeah. The gravity is off, and yeah, but the falling—it's like it's falling out of the sky, which doesn't make any sense because it's a spaceship. And I know, I know, but I, I still—I I was so far out of it at this yep. point that I was just like, "What? What is even? What is even happening here?" I—I yes. I, I have a note that the saber duel that we get around here. It felt especially fake to me, yep. like it was a series of one individuals well, in front of a green Christopher, screen. Christopher Lee is not up mm-hmm. for that, so right. he was CG and, yeah. and a lot of that I stuff wrote terrible it. stunt double for Christopher Lee, yeah. and the problem with this, the fight scene here, as is the problem with most of the other fight scenes in this movie, is that they're all shot in kind of medium shots uh, a lot yes. of times, and a lot of time they're back and forth shots, so that's no clearly scale. all... There's no, it's not scale, but not even scale, like, and there's definitely no scale, but like, there's no tracking, there's, <laughs> there's no, nothing, no, it's connection. not like, oh, yeah, there, it's totally disjointed. And so, yeah. the having a stunt double, I'm sure, was problematic for shooting this in terms of having to composite Christopher Lee's face and work him into like, oh, yes, now let's have a close up to show that he really is here fighting him. Um, and my other, my other weird thing is Anakin's like, my powers have doubled since the last time we met. I'm like, what does that even mean? Like by what scale? Like no, how he, he, went to, he went to destinystatus.com. You can look up all that. <laughs> <laughs> they have deployed the Wilhelm scream by this point. The Wilhelm scream happened. 1545. I wrote it's the required. time down. Oh, and they also had the, the Jedi get caught in the ray shielding, which seems a little OP to me because like they, yeah. they're, this is a giant, giant world that they have with all sorts of things. And then all of a sudden something, a CG effect comes out of nowhere and they're like, well, this trauma my lightsaber, my force power is like, why don't they make everything out of ray shielding? You could win this war. Uh, also, let's count how many times they say ray shield in a 30 second oh my God. segment. Yeah, that was my point. I've deployed ray the ray shields. Hey, ray shields. Don't worry. R2 I didn't know that they the had ray shields. Ray shields. <laughs> why is it that like after how, how many people have to lose a hand in a lightsaber battle before you say, well, what if I just wear gauntlets? How about a force ray gauntlet? gauntlets? Oh, what are you going to make the gauntlets out of, though? More lightsabers. Ray shields. Ray shields. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I like that Obi-Wan says when they get trapped, how did this happen? We're smarter than this. <laughs> You're smarter than this. Like, the script isn't due. No, you show no evidence of that. I, that's what I... Oh, God, John took the words right out of my notes. The uh, script you, you is not smarter than this. Earlier, so, yeah. the, there's a, uh, a good... At the very end of this, where General Grievous has a right, nice piece of on-the-nose dialogue where he says, time to abandon the ship, and then abandons the ship. Thank you for telling us what you were Everything about. Everything in this movie is I think you're yeah, reading no, that's, the screenplay. That's Lucas's Lucas writing style. Like, it's like, if, if only <laughs> movies were actually made this way, like where you just write down what you want to happen. We'll get to that later in the love scenes, but like, if, that was, oh, if only yeah. that's the way writing worked, where you just write, and now there is a scene where there is an escape. Time to escape. The person says, I am going to escape. And then the people say, he has escaped. It's the old rhetorical trick of like, tell him what you're going to tell him. Tell him. <laughs> tell him what you told him. This worked in Charlie Chaplin films from the world. I, I do want to say that the, the running down the elevator shaft thing is is a little difficult for physics reasons, but it is one of those shining moments where you watch it and you go, you know, that's actually pretty neat. That's a fun sequence. They're so so very rare in this film. What what doesn't work is the uh, the meeting with General Grievous where Anakin oh says, God. "General you're Grievous, you're shorter than expected. You're shorter than I expected. Is that supposed to be an insult? And if so, why? Explain well, I mean, that. Apparently, to he he thinks it is because he says Jedi scum, or maybe he just likes saying Jedi scum. Oh, burn! Well, he he's hunched over. Maybe he's all because he's all hunched over from yeah. Mace Window crushing him in the the animated Clone Wars series. I also <laughs> like that he happens to have two available lightsaber pockets. Just of like, course. just ready there. <laughs> just, just two, the perfect number. It, well, the, the Taylor planet, they can just add more pockets at any time. So he's, 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 he's got four pockets. lightsabering arms. That's yeah, true. That's your Palp- Palpatine's is Taylor. There's Taylor's. <laughs> the planet of Taylor's. Oh, Taylor's. Haberdasheron. The thing, the thing that really upsets me in this is that all of a sudden we've gone from daring rescue of Chancellor Palpatine to Obi-Wan being like, we have a job to do, Anakin. Try not to upset him. It's, you know, we're going to go back to dis- diplomacy. Hey, you know, he Grievous said the negotiators are here, so I guess it's time to, to play negotiators, at, at least until we execute our daring escape. Yes, please don't upset him with this meaningless insult that makes absolutely no sense. At least he has those cool Clone War droids that have the little purple stick things. Those mm. guys are awesome. Yeah, you know they're tough because they take 15 seconds to destroy <laughs> instead of the usual three. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're second and they level. have their own dedicated sound effect. And at least they have little buzzy things at the end, which are shown to be somewhat of a match for lightsabers. Like you can clash with a lightsaber with them as opposed to just being sliced in half like butter, like every other thing <laughs> the lightsabers come in contact with. Also, you can butter. slice the head off of them, and they still work. The um the uh the the ship crashes, and we get quip quip watch. We get another happy landing. Go James Bond lines. Mm. Two points. One that um to go with the why is the ship sinking? What is blowing Grievous's cloak when he's outside the ship? Because I didn't figure that one That's out. Space either. air. <laughs> the, the the gas coming out of the the ship. The yeah, solar it's wind called style. It's it's a force that binds the entire universe. So, so if you're a droid ish kind of guy, I actually thought that was kind of clever. It's like, well, I can I can just go out in space. So I'm just going to break the windshield here. You guys will all suffocate, and I'll just be climbing but, around. But he's on part the ship. biological though. So if you're going to have anybody do that, maybe not a Grievous. I don't know. Yeah, especially not a guy with emphysema. He's got breathing problems already. I know, I know. But wait a minute. We see later that he has no lungs, so I still have a problem with the whole coffee. His eyeballs would have frozen. Wait a second. If you have no, if we're going to go to that route, why is the ship even designed for people to walk around in if you just have robots? If you can make robots who fight things, you just make robot ships. they, They jack the ship. Yeah, it's extra. It's a, it's surplus. They and and to the point, Jason, about the another happy landing. I think Jedi have only two modes: literal and deadpan, or attempted deadpan. Mm-hmm. That's the only line deliveries that either of them have in this entire movie. I would like to know when R two learned to say "hee hoo." He does it twice. Mm. He does it during the fight with the droids. 
It, it sounds sort of Michael Jackson-y. I think it's an homage. <laughs> He's been trying to homage little Annie going, yeah, yeah, yeah. whoopee! Also, how do the fire ships know that they're good guys crashing the bad guy ship? And why, why are there fire the hell ships? are there fire ships? Yeah, the fire yeah. ships are confusing. It's someone's idea. I mean, he lands half a ship. Like, it's, I don't know. I mean, again, it, anything like that, like a daring, a narrow escape or anything, all of that relies on you caring about the characters and being invested in what's happening to them. And it doesn't matter how well you execute something like the elevator scene or something like the crash scene. If you're If you're not on board with the movie, you're just like... Yeah, yeah. But if you are on board, the same scene can be super exciting because you really care about the people. Right. But the the laziness keeps coming through here. The thing that got me was, so we have this big fight. It's apparently over Coruscant. The next day after he's crashed the ship, it's like everything's been mopped up. We're all good. There's no fight happening. It's another happy day on Coruscant. What the hell? Yeah, presumably the Chancellor's been kidnapped from Coruscant. There's got to be some, maybe? some. I I wrote no no stakes. Everything is predestined. Well, but it's all a plot by the emperor, and he knows that this is where he's going to live, so he doesn't want them to make a mess. <laughs> so he d- has it all just somewhere else. Uh, we get Padme here. Padme as dumb, is here. As dumb as all this action sequence stuff is, brace yourselves yes. to think of it as the, the good times, because <laughs> yes. now not a damn thing happens for over 30 minutes. The bad times, they are coming. You, you'll be begging for ships shooting each other that you don't care about. Yeah, here comes Padme. <laughs> she's, got the, she's got the Princess Leia buns. She says, she says Ooh, uh, Princess Leia Annie, buns. Annie, I'm pregnant. By the way, my note here is every time she calls him Annie, I think about that episode one kid <laughs> and get too, super creeped out. Yep. Yeah. And as for her pregnancy, apparently the Jedi Academy believes in abstinence-only education <laughs> because this yes. great Jedi can't fi- can't get, figure out how to not. They also get don't his do ultrasounds on on in the yeah. In the, their uh, reproductive technology no. sucks in the lead planet of the Star Republic slash Empire. I can't even they tell that it's twins. Tell One it's kid, twins. two kid. Well, they just like the mystery of it. They you know keep it a mystery. Yeah, she goes from oh I've got some wonderful news to looking terrified and being like what are we going to do? So maybe you know either have her be happy about it or have her be worried about it. But the constant fluctuations I don't know if they're going to blame that on hormones or whatever. But it's weird. Also, does anyone does anyone actually remember the fact that they're supposed to be secret spouses? Because that doesn't seem like she kind of like they're behind sort of hides behind. For That's it. the thing I didn't notice it until this this viewing of the movie, which I think maybe was my second or third. I don't know. I think I've seen it before, but like by the end of the movie, it's like, wait a second, are we supposed to believe? Like I I, I forget when it's the end of the movie we're talking about. Obi Wan goes Anakin's it's the father, Anakin's like, baby. Yeah, who, who did you think was the father? Like, but she was showing everyone knows she's pregnant. But you just didn't want to say anything because thought maybe she was just putting on weight. You didn't want, like what the hell? Are you, like, <laughs> <laughs> is this I don't even understand like the premise of the movie are we supposed to believe that people don't notice she's pregnant or they do notice but they don't they, they think it would be rude to ask who the father is so Obi-Wan's like at the end Anakin's it was Jar Jar it's it like totally so you Jar-Jar. knew she was pregnant who did you think was the father well, you did, and, oh, just that's why Jar Jar stopped talking yes <laughs> and that's a fundamental problem with this movie is it's entirely unclear from one scene to the next who else in the cast is supposed to have what information like who's supposed to know that Palpatine is bad or not bad? Who's supposed to know that Anakin and Padme are together or not together? Or that 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 it's his child. Like none of that is given any context. Is she hiding her pregnancy? Is do people see that she's showing? Is she staying in her room combing her hair the whole time to hide it? Like I don't. I mean, know. she is in her room a lot. Uh, she. Is. I would not have remembered that their wedding, their like marriage, was supposed to be a secret had it not been for watching the Clone Wars series again, where it is. Once again, handled way better than it's handled here. I had that moment of like, oh, right, secret wedding. Um, I want to make a note here and say, um, I understand like Jar, like you said, Jar Jar doesn't say anything. He's on this movie. They realize, okay, he's a liability. We're not going to use Jar Jar here. Uh, Natalie Portman, 
Um, oh, is she wasted in this? She is completely. I mean, it's not like her so performances she, she's were great. She's a shadow of her former self in the her, other her, movies. Her, her but, character, like, where is that Padme? Where is the one who had a gun, who was like, you know, yeah. leading the charge yeah. and being daring? And instead, she combs her hair a lot. All she does is stay in a room. Yeah. It, is, yeah, it is just character assassination of the high. It's not only is it a waste of Natalie Portman, but Padme as a character is completely destroyed by this movie. She is no. She is a zero in this movie. It is ridiculous. And she was pretty damn close to zero in the previous movies right, too, but it's but worse at least she could shoot oh, yeah. but she was a woman of action she did things she was she she was i mean with her and the gun and leading the charge and going into like she wanted to get things done she wanted to make change politically she had ambitions she was an right. important person she mm-hmm. had this agency one, she, just, she just stays in the room and her biggest concern is about like how is anakin feeling that's it yep She's she never leaves the room with the exception of getting on the ship to go find Anakin for this entire movie. And again, this is a place where that actually could have been explained in the movie as as soon as I figured out, I found out I'm pregnant. I'm hiding in you know, I'm I'm staying here. I've been, you know, having Jar Jar take care of business or my aides take care of business. Um, I don't want anybody to find out. Let's go back to Naboo, uh, except we can't leave because there's still a but like there there could have been so so much solved very quickly without her seeming basically completely helpless. Yeah, and she would have to be conf- conflicted about that or maybe and she shouldn't just be there combing her hair and wondering about, oh, I'll make up the baby's room. It's like, she, what? she would need what? to be You'll... a character, yeah. in other and words. And she seems pretty blasé about the fact that the queen will likely kick her out of the Senate if she has a baby, so. That seemed unenlightened. <laughs> <laughs> for a for a for a planet that will elect a fourteen year old like girl as your queen, and then they're like, ah, but pregnancy that's that's no good. <laughs> you get knocked up, and that's it. You're out. Nope, sorry. Well, they have, they have, they have issues with young women clearly on Naboo. Clearly. Also, I'm not sure that George Lucas really knows how pregnancy works. <laughs> this is this is the first time we hear that she's pregnant, and the rest of this movie that she's doesn't like really seem pregnant. like it takes place over multiple months, but yeah, by the yeah. end she's ready to deliver. I mean, the film itself seems like it takes multiple months, but yeah, but the action on screen does not. And, and also in that scene where, like, so they're pregnant and they go back and she's combing her hair on the balcony and Anakin is looking at her. I like to watch you creepily brush your hair. I'm amazed by his ability to look creepy while lo- yeah. looking at his <laughs> own wife. I, I get the idea oh. of the, uh, and Andy mentioned this, the, the, it, this is the, the sort of classic story of the, she's not supposed to be pregnant, she's hiding her pregnancy and all that, except that for plot reasons, she's on Coruscant when the right thing to do, sort of in the classic style, would be that well, she has to go visit her sister in the country on Naboo for about nine months, right? And then she comes back and she's like, hey, I'm back. I feel better now. Jason, there's war! Uh, war! Exclamation well, point. Well, on top of that, you know what? If Coruscant was being invaded as we are led to believe in the beginning, wouldn't they have evacuated the senators? Given that, you know, the senators and the chancellor kind of hold the power and if the chancellor's been kidnapped, then the senators should probably be at safety. Uh, uh, so she spends a lot of time on balconies in yeah. a giant place that's a huge <laughs> <Yes>. city. <laughs> exactly, with <laughs> lots if of really, windows. If you're going to hide your pregnancy, spend a lot of time outdoors yeah, the paparazzi. On there are definitely no droid paparazzi. And on top of that, <laughs> let's spend it in nightwear the entire time. Yeah. Is there is there really a scene where she's not in lingerie? Yeah, uh, uncomfortable nightwear. Like, she's wearing things with beads pearls. to bed. Those beads are just going to be... Why would you wear pearls? Yeah, you try to lay down on those, they're going to have big circular marks on your arm when you wake yeah. up at like, some point i was like wait oh is that a dress or a nightgown i can't actually tell because i thought it was just a dress and then she goes to bed in it so maybe she doesn't own a nightgown i don't know so i <laughs> i wrote down the uh, classic dialogue that i'm going to recite here i'll help i'll help you're so beautiful it's only because i'm so uh, in love but 
it's only because I'm so in love with you. No, you. And then my <laughs> then my notes just say ugh. <laughs> I have Jesus this dialogue written down at this point. So love has blinded you? <laughs> well, that's not exactly what I meant, but it's probably true. Oh. End scene. That's oh. it. I think I think we're getting some insights into why like Lucasfilm is okay with so many people writing like fan fiction and fan fiction movies. That's where they got all this dialogue. I from. wrote someone buy him a thesaurus. No, no, fan fiction has way better dialogue than this. Like what <laughs> what was being established in this scene? That they love each other yes. by having the character say, I'm so in love with you. No, I'm so in love with you. Ah. And, I will oh. I will say that it does nail the fan fiction aspect of people writing up about romance and love who have never had a romance or been in love <laughs> oh my god uh, Anakin wakes up a, a, from a bad dream with his metal arm which is just a reminder that he lost his arm um, and uh, the, in the in the intervening time between now and when Luke gets his arm cut off in 20 years uh, the technology improves quite a bit because Luke's arm one looks place. totally real the one place that they realized, wait, we can make this look look yeah. tech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he has a premonition that bad things are going to happen with Padme. That is important. A vague premonition. I wrote that down that he dreams of Star Trek 1 because it kind of reminded me of Star Trek The Motion Picture. Yes, there's a wormhole. It's very, it's a very cheap effect for a movie that is otherwise full of very expensive effects, and yet it still manages to look really terrible. And and it's it's cheap and it's vague. Like we don't, I guess, I guess it's supposed to try to communicate some kind of emotion rather than at a series of events. But it's so pivotal to his supposed turn to the dark side right. that he understands exactly what's going on here, and that that he's totally convinced this is going to happen. And all we see is that she's sad. Like it was some, you know, to get to compare it to like Empire, where Luke has premonitions that we don't see about his friends being in pain and Yoda's like nah they might die they might not you know he's given a choice like it is it's not so concrete that like my entire life is going to hinge on this thing that I'm absolutely positively sure is going to happen in exactly this way unless I do something there should be ambiguity there should be like well you know if you leave now help them you could but you know like it's you don't know maybe you know always in motion blah blah blah, blah. this is just like no totally solid she's gonna die unless i kill children well so so many so many of us like think that empire is the greatest movie like in the entire series with with good reason but that but that was something that always annoyed me that yoda makes a big deal no 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 no. look you can't leave now because disaster will happen and your friends are going to have to die and all this sort of stuff Nothing really happens as a con- nothing bad happens as a consequence of him leaving. Well, we learn here that Yoda doesn't know what the hell he's talking well, about. Well, he barely survived, and 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 Yoda said didn't necessarily. He was just saying this is the safe bet. The safe bet is to stay here. You need to complete your training because yeah. for the good of the universe, it's better for you to stay here. Let your friends die. But Luke is showing his character by saying, "Yes, for the good of the universe, maybe it is better for me to stay here and potentially let my friends die because it's better for me to get completely trained to save everybody." But Luke shows that's not the kind of person I am. I'm going to go try to help my friends, even if it means me almost dying a side note is is that is that uh instantly as to your point john about not seeing the the visions mark hamill manages to actually sell that so you know anyone who wants to talk about mark hamill not being greatest actor he's not a greatest actor but like he manages to make you believe that there is something bad going to happen without us ever seeing it whereas hayden christensen can't even make us believe no. it when we've just we need seen some it CGI. <laughs> yeah. i was sleeping shirtless did you notice <laughs> well that's so you can see my metal arm do you like my metal arm <laughs> Brush your hair some more. I'm on my golden arm. He visits Yoda for some therapy, but Yoda is not a very good therapist. <laughs> no. He says, don't sweat it. Death happens. Be happy. Your wife I don't know about is going to die. Yeah. <laughs> this, whole, this whole section is deadly scenes of people talking on Coruscant. 
Like we're back to like it's flashbacks of like no, not the couches, not the rooms, not the talking, not the not the shot of this person, shot of this person. It's just you're death. doomed to couches forever. This happens for thirty minutes, John. Thirty minutes. I, I I can I can summarize this actually. My notes do a pretty great job of summarizing the plot here. Here, let me let me uh, throw some on you here. Political science time. We're giving more mm. powers to the chancellor. Anakin needs to be on the council. I need you more than you will know. <laughs> oh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> How can you be on the council and not a master? Well, you know, it's you. Hey, at least they let him get rid of the stupid rat tail. And I wrote down, I miss, I miss Puppet Yoda, um, <laughs> yeah. which I wanted to mention, because yeah. I, I didn't mind uh, some of the CGI Yoda, but here I really felt it like, boy... I miss Puppet Yoda. That was a different guy than this yeah. guy. It's well, not they're the making, same. But even if you made Puppet Yoda say these same lines, it was just like, these are these are not great. And like you said, the whole the whole attachment philosophy, like, I, it's hard to watch this and not try to like, you know, I'm going to psychoanalyze the people who made this movie. But like, I don't think you can do that. I don't think it's fair or correct. But I find right. myself going towards like, <laughs> is this like the, po- the post-divorce Lucas mm. type of, you know... <laughs> That all the attachments in your life end up hurting you, and it's but like I don't think it is because like that's not the message of the movie. That's but just like the, the philosophy espoused by Yoda in the prequels does not connect with me in any way with no. the philosophy espoused by Yoda in the real Star Wars. We also get what is an, an attempt at like I, I've said before some some complex thoughts about political science and the nature of <laughs> and the nature of dictatorship and democracy. But, this war represents a failure but, to listen. But what you get is, the, you know, the council wants you to spy on the chancellor. It's literally like, does he like me? Does he right, like right. like check, me or not? Check, check this yes, box. Yeah. Don't tell him. And, and I, my note is, this is politics as viewed by a child. This is a childlike view of politics. Even if George Lucas wanted to make a movie about politi- boring political science that's obvious and stupid and nobody wants to see it his grasp i have to i'm just gonna say it and i i know this is incredibly mean but his grasp of political science is so simplistic that it makes me wonder is this guy stupid because (laughs) this is just it is a joke it is an absolute joke it makes it makes aaron sorkin look like a genius because he does those ridiculous (laughs) like his things are completely unrealistic like the west wing is like so silly and yet it is close and it is like a supercharged fantasy version of reality but it but it's so much closer than this because like okay this is not the way it really is but wouldn't it be cool if and this is okay this Check is not this the way box. it really is and it wouldn't be cool if it was this way because this no. is stupid it's just one another it's just another example of sort of the half-assed attempts at trying to turn something into a valid plot point and the other point the other place this sort of comes up is i think anakin has this sort of weird inconsistency and in trust of padme and we get this half-assed other half-assed attempt of trying to insinuate that maybe he thinks obi-wan and she have something on the side yeah, they, they never could decide what they're doing with that it's, just, it's never it's but it's like it's kind of brought up towards the end it's never even hinted it, at it's not believable at any point that anyone reasonable at all it's literally like uh something out of the plotomatic. like oh jealousy yeah let's put in some jealousy like he thinks <laughs> obi-wan and padme might be having an affair really because he visited once Obi-Wan yeah, was yeah. Well, <laughs> obi-wan was here wasn't he his wind song stays on my mind <laughs> Once upon a time, an early script of episode three surfaced, and I want to say right after episode one, but before episodes two and three, and that script was all about basically Obi-Wan and Padme coming close to having an affair and Anakin basically going crazy. Did we establish whether that was real or just like a fan script? I have no idea, but it either was a way, good it's script. more believable. Either- <laughs> yeah, there was no chemistry between those actors in, in the second movie, so no, no. But it's but it's one of those things that like if that was in like 
some kind of fact, it's almost been completely stripped out of this movie. And there are hints where it could it could have been in this movie, but like you said, it's 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 there's there are no connections here. There are just like, oh, what about this plot point? What about this plot point? Maybe we'll we'll just push this all together and hope that this is a movie works. This is the I I think in some ways this little sec- section of this movie is the the nadir of the of, of Star Wars because this <laughs> yeah. is this is George Lucas's big political science payoff and we we know we're going to crank up the action and have to come to the fall of Anakin so this is the chance so like and it is like half an hour long so we get the at this point it's only been 20 minutes we get the Anakin I think this war is destroying the principles of the Republic what if democracy no longer exists which is completely asinine but he is sort of supposed to be uh, clueless and asinine here my wife turned (laughs) to me at this point and said what does she see in him there are no answers there people there's no answer for that Palpatine talks to Anakin the Jedi Council want to take control of the Republic yeah that's a really reasonable premise i did appreciate the line that palpatine has where he says search your feelings you know and i'm thinking don't you no that's not it it. so close so close don't you think the the opera scene had some things to recommend it though okay well the one one thing i gotta point out about that that opera opera or a screensaver it's it's (laughs) it's rags flying around in giant bubbles and i gotta point out it looks suspiciously like the diane carroll segment from the holiday special (laughs) It's trying to teach Anakin how reproduction works. Mm. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you say that, because at this point he brings out the story of Darth Plagueis, quote, uh, in parentheses, yes. the wise. With a name like that, you know he's a fine fellow. Uh, and the point that he makes is he could use the Force to influence the midichlorians to create dot, 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 life. And at this point he looks very pointedly at Anakin on the last word. And I believe this is to suggest that Shmi's virgin birth was planted by a Sith all along. In, in fact, I read an article that said that in a previous version of the screenplay that was mm-hmm. then never shot, but but it was in one of the last drafts, it was stated outright that uh, that uh, the Emperor essentially created Anakin. So this is basically, I am your father, Anakin. Yep. Yeah. It, it yep. is... Uh, you gotta love Darth Plagueis, but, though, you know. Uh, I actually, there's one thing in this scene... That I really okay, so I kind of like the the implication that he created An- Anakin. I think that's kind of fun. I really like the implication where he tells this whole story about how amazing Darth Darth Plagueis is, and he could keep people from dying. Which is yeah, he's trying to play on Anakin's fear that Padme is going to die. But Anakin's I like I, I like he taught his apprentice everything he knew, and then his apprentice killed him in his sleep. <laughs> oh, did I mention? Did I not mention that was me? But I love that I implication. Pal- I love Palpatine that. is the only one who's able to sell these lines. Like, because yeah. this is not a well-written oh, yeah. scene, but the, it is moody no. at least in the kind of weird background. He is the only actor who, who like, I feel Ian like McDermott. Ian McDermott shows up. He, Ian McDermott's pretty scene. good. Oh, yeah. He is pretty good. I have to say, I wrote down at one point. You know, I really like him. I, he he gives it his all in this. He really he is a good yeah, serial villain. He does a good he, job. If, if you were just given him better things to say, but in this in this scene, like the mood and the background and the fact that the two of them are alone there, like he tells a stupid story. The lines are silly. The the, the one note I have about the readings here is. They did this again, and I just I, it drives me insane. Like uh, you know, Palpatine says, they're playing to betray me, and Lucas's uh, Lucas's line, and and Anakin's line is, I don't think, and then he gets cut off, and he does it in the worst possible, like the, the worst possible way, like. I don't think, and like he, like you can tell he wasn't going to continue the Line. sentence. That, that was yeah. the end of the sentence, actually. Yeah, exactly. That's what it seemed like. And like, why? How can you not do that? He in the, in the first movie there were instances that that's that's like movie making one hundred and one. Like, 
when a character has a line that trails off or they're interrupted, you have to make it seem naturalistic. You can't have them read the I don't think line and have them stop. It just it, it boggles my mind how even even <laughs> in like directors are important. The, the best scene in the movie, they can manage to blow it by just something like on a technicality and uh, something so easy. Two two things about this scene. One one line I do like is "Good as a point of view," which is obviously intended to hearken to Obi Wan's from yes, a certain point yes. of view, and actually has the benefit of being like in a better movie. Oh, that's kind of what this is about. Again, as John mentioned earlier, from my point of view, the Jedi yeah. are evil. Anakin, <laughs> Anakin is good. Like Anakin thinks he's doing something. Could, like, could we could we go so somewhere. far as to say that this uh, the opera scene in particular in a an imaginary. Uh, set of prequels that were good this opera scene might actually have fit okay if, if sure. you have you have to explain why anakin is super interested in the ability to keep people from dying because i because that is the you know this is the glimmer part this is like the glimmer of hope in the depths of despair of of the worst part of this movie why is he not the least bit suspicious about palpatine knowing any of this stuff <laughs> He's that really is what dumb. gets me. He's, just really he's like, really oh, dumb. yeah, let me tell you all about this <laughs> Sith stuff. And he's like, wow, that sounds really interesting. Tell me more. Again, in a better movie, we would actually feel the fact that Palpatine has essentially been a father to him, to Obi-Wan's older brother. And that sure. he implicitly trusts him, which we don't get in any of this. And Anakin this is- would need to have a lust for power. Like, he doesn't. They never establish Anakin's lust for power. Like, that comes out of nowhere. Like, I want to be in charge and super powerful. Like, the only way you're attracted to somebody who gives you the promise of ultimate power is if you're one of those people who just, like, is, is you know, craves power. And Anakin has mostly just been ineffectual and whiny and not really, like, wanting to rule everybody. Well, as we've learned earlier, Anakin is so dumb that he's actually told the Chancellor of the, the Senate or the Republic who he believes not to be evil at this point, that he slaughtered a bunch of innocent sand people on Tatooine. <laughs> because, again, it, if you go back to the idea that Palpatine is his father figure, he trusts Palpatine. He wants to work with Palpatine. And in a crazy alternate universe, better movie, this is the, you know, Palpatine is, is giving him life lessons when he's worried and confused and doesn't know who to turn to and the Jedi are frustrating exactly. him. I don't know. I remember when I told my dad about all those dead hitchhikers and it didn't go at all like this. This this could have been in a better in a better movie. This would have been such a pivotal scene. You can think about so many other movies that happen where in the somewhere in Act Three there is a complete pause to the action. Maybe even other movies in which there is actually a scene like at the opera or at the theater where this the 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 corrupt father figure can talk to the growing in power but still quite impressionable young person to simply say that here's my worldview. And here is a. There are so many opportunities available to you right now. I don't want you to be set down the wrong path. And I'm going to explain to you what I, how I see the world, and why I believe that things have to be the way that they have to be. And given that this was a situation in which Anakin is now being told by, being used by. Uh, the senator to say, I want you to be sort of my eyes and ears, my spy, as you will, to the Jedi Council. But the Jedi is saying, I want you to be my spy uh, into what the senator is going to. This could have been in a, in a better written movie with a better actor. This could have been one of those things that you just on the, when you're watching it on Blu-ray, you just replay that scene over and over again. As it is, it's completely squandered because what they want to do is simply say he doesn't want his wife to die. And so he's willing to make a deal with the devil in order to make sure his 
wife doesn't die, which is boring as hell. Yeah. yeah. In the magical alternate version of this movie, you've got Anakin as a young kid who believes that, you know, truth and justice in the, you know, the American way for a better lack of term where, you know, he doesn't believe he hates slavery. He wants everybody to be free. He wants, you know, he has all of these grand ideals about what politics should look like and then who are the first two people that he really meets or the first three people that he really meets and bonds with he meets a jedi knight who are supposed to you know uh resemble all good and that's good and wonderful in the universe he meets a queen who's very interested in politics and about doing the right thing and he meets you know the senator later the chancellor who is again ostensibly believes in the right way to do justice so in theory you could have built a movie on basically these three different viewpoints and how he's basically been tugged and pulled and his view his view has been shaped on this is the this is what democracy should look like this is this is why democracy is failing us this is why you know everything's falling apart and if you have palpatine from that idea being like i'm i'm subtly slowly shaping your view of what a good society should be and and why the jedi are are manipulating and destroying my society like there's again, there's so much potential here, yep. and all of it is completely wasted. That's all the frustration. Just... Unfortunately, all of that would require subtext, which this movie lacks. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, and this is, I mean, this is uh, one of the ways that I have a problem. I, I have these two problems. I have a problem with Anakin, and the, as I mentioned, the problem with sort of how he becomes Darth Vader. And one of the problems is fundamentally, um, I don't feel like Anakin is is. I would have liked to have seen that story, Serenity, exactly what you're talking about, that Anakin, Anakin's not making a decision to sell his soul to save his his wife, like Andy said. I, I want An- Anakin to believe that this is the best path. He is and genuinely I, doing what he thinks is right. And that he, he has reasons to think that. And although we look at it and go, oh, you know, stupid kid, you don't understand. You don't you don't understand history. You don't realize where this leads. But we don't really get that. We we just again, there's the shortcut, which is, uh, you know, a Svengali takes him under his wing and hoodwinks him into doing things. And 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 that's like when he's tricked, it doesn't have the impact of him making those decisions for himself and making those mistakes. He, he doesn't and have so, any agency. He's, he's just like Forrest fooled. Gump. He's like a feather in the wind in this movie. Yeah. Like all his decisions are made for him by outside forces and he just sits there and, and whines or is creepy. Yeah, but he, he's yeah, he's a, he's a chump. He's fooled. And, and, and again, if you then think this is Darth Vader, you think, oh my God, Darth Vader is not a chump who got, who got tricked into becoming a Sith Lord and now just sort of has to live with it. That's not the Darth Vader that I have in my mind. Yeah. He has a consistent worldview that says that look, you 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 rule by the fist and that you can't simply let things happen, you have to make things happen and you basically have to do that through fear and intimidation. That's a worldview. That's not a well, I guess I guess this, <laughs> I guess I guess I have this job now and I I don't want to move out of this my, my factory town, so I'm going to have to be the guy who fires people. It's like, no, 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 no. This is not a worldview. Can you imagine a scene in the original trilogy where the real Darth Vader is told by the emperor, "Hey, go kill some young youngs." And he says, "Sure, why not?" and immediately goes and does it. <laughs> sure, my master. All right, we're about halfway through this one, so come back for our next episode when we will finish, at last, our journey through the prequels. Thanks for listening to The Incomparable. We will see you next time.